0: The volume. Hey guys, it's The Sessions presented by FanDuel. The sports calendar is packed and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. There are so many sports to bet on like the NBA, college basketball, PGA Tour. FanDuel has exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long. And when you win, you get paid real fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. The app is safe, secure, and so easy to use. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting, and you can combine multiple bets from the same game in a same game parlay, and try out the same game parlay plus. So download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. Ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Maine. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1 800 522 4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1 877 770 Stop for Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. 1 800 522 4700 for Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Or whatever day it is that you happen to be listening to this, it drops on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So hopefully you're listening to it to the day that it drops. But if you don't, I will not hold that against you. Um, joining me on the podcast today, my one, my only, my sweet, delicious husband, John Moxley, is here on the show. John is um, a is a trooper because if I'm ever in like a pinch that I'm like mm, I kind of need a guest for the show this week, it's great. That I happen to be married to a wrestler that um, I can just get him to kind of sit down with me. I shouldn't say I can just get him to do it. Honestly, sometimes it's like pulling teeth and I'm like, can you do my podcast, please? Um, And he just doesn't really feel like being social. So we were actually supposed to record it last week and the baby was crying and it was near impossible. So we pushed it to this week and uh, just so happened there's a few things to talk about. So uh, this was one of my favorite interviews with John, actually, because I feel like more often than not, he does not like, or he's less willing to talk about his matches and the psychology behind some of those matches um, and where he kind of draws his inspiration and stuff from. So I think we got a lot of that from John. And this episode so funny. I feel like we'll sit here and record like an hour's worth of a podcast. And I'm like, okay, well, thank you for coming to hang out. I'm going to wrap it up. And he's like, well, I'm just getting started. So I feel like we could just, you know, record like a 3 hour long podcast and see what else I can pull out of the guy. Um, all right guys, well, let's get into it. Let's see what the man has to say. This is John Moxley. Okay, guys, another John session here. I just want to put it out there that we actually planned on recording this last week. And honestly, I kind of wish that we had have just recorded this last week before some drama Rama started to unfold, because now I feel like the spotlight is on you to respond to all of this drama. And I know that you don't really give a shit to respond to any of this drama. But of course, I would be remiss to not ask you about it, <laughs> I guess. Is there anything that you would like to address with all the stuff that is kind of unfolded in the last couple of days? on the internet, in the wrestling world.
1: No. Because nothing has unfolded. It's fucking annoying. Just because somebody said some stupid shit on social media, like, that's not news. But it is, and it ends up being a thing. I, I don't want to get dragged into this dumb shit. Yeah. I could fucking unload on a lot of fucking people right now. And when I start getting dragged into this shit, it tempts me to do that but I'm not going to fucking sink to that level. But I will say this. I'm just going to give you like a tidbit of information from my point of view. The entire summer, I was not under contract. No contract. Free agent. I was at SummerSlam weekend wrestling fucking Desperado and shit the day of SummerSlam. Fucking suplexed him on a bunch of aluminum cans and shit cut in half. It was fucking dope. I could have walked in a SummerSlam that night with the AEW fucking belt. If I had been so inclined. Nobody knew that because I don't put my shit out there in the world and let everybody know every fucking thing about my business, you know. I was not on a contract. Reason being, if you're curious, because I got a rehab and my contract was coming up, they extended it for the time that I missed. Cool. I'm glad they did, actually, because I didn't want to feel like I owed them anything, you know. So they extended it a little bit. It was coming up. They're talking to me about it. And the last thing I wanted to do when I first got out of rehab, because all they were telling me is, like, basically, logic would tell you don't go back to wrestling because you're just going to fall into the same old habits, right? So I wanted to just, like, ease back into it and see what life was like on the other side. And the last thing I wanted to do was just hurry up and sign a big long-term commitment. Because what if, I don't know, what if shit started going off the rails? And like, I don't know, like, yeah, pretty quickly, I was like, man, actually, being sober is awesome. This is fantastic. I'm having so much fun. I was working with my friends, Blackpool Combat Club, me and Brian and shit. I was like, fucking Regal, I'm like, this is great. And they're talking to me about signing a new thing. And I was like, if everything just stays exactly as it is right now, I'll be here forever. You can pay me in cash in an envelope at the end of the night. I don't give a fuck. But I can't tell you what I'm going to feel like in six months, especially not in three years or five years. And once I make a commitment, then I will push through injuries and I will push myself too hard and I will do all these things that add up and it leads you down the road or whatever. You know what I mean? So, I was not in a hurry to make any kind of grand commitments, you know, at first. That being said, during this time period, the night in uh, fucking, what's his dicks talking about? It was in Indianapolis, not Indianapolis, Minneapolis. It was the night he came back and uh, was hopping around on one foot, bumping around Inner Circle or whatever after me and Jericho wrestled mm-hmm. in a badass match, by the way. So we're, we're talking later about stuff. Now, keep in mind, at this time, this is my whole point. I basically don't work there for all intents and purposes. I don't even work here. Tony is not my boss. I don't even have to be in this room. I don't have to do shit. So even me being in this room and offering and agreeing to a storyline that puts you over at the pay-per-view, if anything, I'm bending over backwards. For Tony and for this dude and for the company and everybody. Because I didn't have to. I didn't have to do shit. If anything, I was bending over backwards. So that's it.
0: Okay. So here's, here, I've got a couple (laughs) of, like,
1: Uh, you know, that's not even controversial. I'm just telling you.
0: No, those are just facts. Those you know, are cut and dry keep facts. And fucking mine, okay. Know. So my questions to you then, just like based off of that. And this doesn't even have anything to do with that situation. That can be the only piece that you say in the situation. Um, but this has been sort of a situation for you in terms of like anytime there's been a little bit of a oh, oh, something's happening. Oh, we gotta do something a lot of things have fallen on your shoulders and i think i think it's pretty fair to say you as one of the the cornerstones of AEW your run as champion and i mean even if you want to go back to the the pandemic days but i think specifically you being able to step in if somebody's injured if someone's in a situation that you have been that guy what kind of pressure comes with being that guy in situations when you haven't necessarily it's not been planned out, but you step up in those uh, occasions.
1: I mean, that's what a big part of my career has been. You got to be ready to seize opportunities when they rise. I think the last time we did this was right before Forbidden Door, when I got slotted into Russell Tanahashi, which turned out amazing. Right. You know, so yeah. that was just an opportunity. Got to be ready for that stuff. So for young wrestlers listening, you know, you got to. You never know what's around the corner. So, you know, be ready at all times. You know,
0: it really is crazy to think of like your career and you things you, like that happening. It's yeah. not just
1: now. It's and like I've never I don't I've never been like. It's never been like the plan to build everything around me. Right. You know, The only time when it was kind of like that, uh, the pandemic happened and the whole world shut down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Yeah. That's the only only time that ever happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: But, you know, that's, does it get like annoying sometimes to be like, you know, if you'd have just fucking gone with me in the first place, like we wouldn't be fucking going through this again. Right. It kind of does. But also like, no, it's all good. Like I don't complain. I see the good in everything and I'm just still having so much fucking fun and like life is so fucking good right now that I don't want any negative bullshit. Right. Like, how? what's the a- fucking complaint about? You know, like,
0: ugh. And I guess you can kind of, like, unload on that a little bit of just, I mean, like, I mean, the, the frustrations this, of not even this situation, I mean, I will, but.
1: I will say this, and uh, I hate to say, I don't think I've ever said anything even remotely negative about AEW, but I will say this, as an observer, it seems like, you know, I spent eight years on the Indies, spent a couple years in WWE developmental, spent, like, Eight years in WWE, I have never seen so much bullshit drama in one place in my entire fucking life. I hate to say that, but it's like, and I don't know if it's because of the age of social media, shit gets like blown out of proportion. Like one person types one stupid fucking drunk tweet and all of a sudden it's all anybody wants to talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, like.
0: But also is like, maybe just like a generational thing as well. Like not only the social media aspect, but like people are coming into the business a different way. Um, people seem to be able to behave a certain people just can go into business for themselves, whether they're going on social media and talking about how they're not being booked or, you know, how they're undervalued or whatever, whatever. But it is really crazy. I mean, I think when you really. You don't even have to step back to look at it, but like with what has been built with AEW and how special AEW is, and the core group of all the people that make up AEW, it's this like wrestling oasis. Yet there's still people that are chipping away that want to like talk shit and sort of disrupt this thing that you guys have all
1: been working really hard to build. Yeah. Like we're sitting up here doing a podcast. You know what we're not talking about? We're not talking about the. Fucking stellar match by Kingo and Kenny Omega. Ooh,
0: oh my word.
1: All the cool stuff going on in AW with cool shows happening. We're not talking about this great pay-per-view we just had. Yeah,
0: great pay-per-view. Yeah, you
1: know, we're not talking about anything. We're talking about some bullshit. Like, let me be clear. The vast majority of people there don't cause any fucking trouble. Sure. Bullshit, sure. But they're getting sucked down into the shit. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody else. Yeah. Into the muck. Yeah. You know? There's plenty of people who just want to get better and perform and fucking just do this job, man. It's the best job in the world. Yeah. And th- there's a lot of that. And I've taken, uh, like, I'm not an official coach. I definitely don't ever want to be a producer, so to speak.
0: Though, I mean, I know it's a pain in the ass, I don't but honestly, be like, you'd be really good at it. I
1: don't want to be an official producer.
0: What you don't want to wear the headset.
1: I don't want to wear the headset. I don't want to have to write stuff down and talk to the. What if we guys. get you a wireless headset? I like being a coach. Yeah. Right. But I'm not any kind of official capacity of a coach. But I coach people that I think are worth it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'll give time to anybody, but like, you know.
0: Well, some you know, people don't want to actually be coachable or you know people like the idea of yeah
1: and i don't i don't want to just if you're
0: going to put them over they'll want to sit and work with you but if
1: yeah and like i'm actually like pretty like uh like just my natural uh whatever you want to call it like like anti-socialness don't want (laughs) to talk to anybody they're not i don't want to like bother anybody or come off like i'm trying to like Listen up to I'll tell it. you how to do it. No. Sure, sure. Sometimes I'm like, I watch something and I see something and I'm like, man, I really want to tell this guy this or this girl this. And I just don't say it to him, even though it could have been something that helped. And then I usually like regret it. Now I'll just come up to somebody and be like, just saying. And I'll usually, and I'll tell people this too, like, I don't even like the word advice, right? Because advice sounds like something you have to take. I'm just throwing ideas it's a out
0: little there. suggestion box
1: yeah i'm just riffing some uh you know ideas and we're just talking if you don't like my idea or if i go hey you should do a backflip and kick somebody in the face if you're like i, I think that's stupid then don't do it you know i'm not offended maybe it's a bad idea i don't know or like i'm just you,
0: you want know. to collaborate
1: i love getting the best out of people and i love when i see things in people that's like dying to get out and bringing that out like
0: uh yeah who are some of those people give us like some examples
1: oh like marina shafir for example mm-hmm. so much potential there she's the only one of her species we have at aw there is there's nobody else we only have one of her
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh she should it might like i see her wrestling different than everybody Looking, talking, acting different than everybody because she has all these, you know, martial arts skills and judo, high level judo and stuff and Mm -hmm. MMA experience. And she's such a natural at so much of it, you know, that uh, she's new at the pro wrestling stuff, like the running and ducking and selling and bumping and, you know, that. But uh, I seen her wrestle at Bloodsport, which we got a Bloodsport coming up on uh, March 3rd.
0: Who are you going to wrestle? Big question mark.
1: Alex Coughlin.
0: Oh, was it announced? Uh,
1: one way or another. <laughs> okay. Uh, you should have fought Marina. That would have been yeah. cool. If you don't want none of this, <laughs> nothing. She whooped my ass. But I seen her wrestle at Bloodsport, and it was like she was a different wrestler. Yeah. I've seen working on dark and elevation, and stuff like that. It was like she was totally different because she was in her element. Right.
0: She's comfortable.
1: Uh, she wrestled Masa Slamovich, very talented girl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's wrestling barefoot and moving around and like her footwork and you know her kicks and movement and everything was like it's like totally different because she was in her element and i'm like we need to bring that to tv yeah and that that just brings a whole new uh kind of element to the division you know so you know just like a suggestion i was like you know in blood sport because you used to wear boots and i was like in blood sport you're wrestling barefoot I'm not saying you just wrestle barefoot. If you don't want to wrestle barefoot, then don't. I don't I don't give a shit. It's all good. It's whatever. But I'm just saying the fact that you were barefoot drew my eyes to your feet. And it made me notice how good your footwork
0: was. Oh, okay. I like and that. It,
1: it made you look like way more athletic. Mm. It like added a whole new dimension. You know, it wasn't just like somebody's difference in somebody's wearing blue boots or red boots. Sure, no, it sure. like,
0: it like, added. Yeah. It,
1: it just created this whole other dynamic to her you know it's just she's like, hey, a she, different yeah, like lately she's been trying that out you know and like there was one of the matches she had i'm just trying to get her to like just loosen up and just and she has and she like works really hard to work on these little things and she goes out there to get better every single time i'm just trying to get her to just be loose and just do what she knows how to do so i was like you already know how to do everything you need to know it's just putting it where it needs to go and all these little mm-hmm. things, you know, and that just takes experience. Right. You know? So one of the matches she had, I think it was with Athena. They actually had a good amount of time. It wasn't just like four or five minutes. Yeah. And, uh, once they hit the, you know, halfway through the match marker and they were in a good sweat and were warmed up and started to go you saw her change gears and seeing that, that's what I've been waiting to see. And it's like so subtle and like, I can notice it, but, when she got into the zone and changed those gears, I was like, "Oh, it pump me up." It was like, <laughs> like
0: it gave me, a, it
1: gave me a high like I was in the ring. You know?
0: yeah
1: so that's another good thing about coaching is I realized like I could not be able to wrestle,
0: yeah, but
1: I could still kind of get that same satisfaction and that same high, yeah, by helping other people and bringing that out of them. Like she had a match with revolver and I was there for with Billy Starks, and it was awesome mm-hmm. and uh. It gave me like the high, like I was in the ring. <laughs> oh I can't, I can't. <laughs> Oh man, Like, yeah, sure. I've been doing a lot. of that. That's so, the
0: best. Is there anyone else the, in particular uh, like, that you've? I know you've been working with Marina quite a bit. Uh, Anybody else uh,
1: coming in? Uh uh-huh. huh. I, I sent him to defy and put him in the ring with Rocky Romero,
0: mm.
1: and that gave him like a whole new confidence level.
0: Why is Rocky the guy that you want to set somebody up in the ring with?
1: Because he's a guy that has all the experience in the world and is so good. And people forget because he's, you know, office rock. Sure. People forget how good he is. And, you know, he's a guy that you can just send somebody in there and go, listen to Rocky for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. A, just go out there and do what he tells you to do. You know, we're not on the road fire, Saturday, and Sunday.
0: Yeah, you don't get that other house. So somebody,
1: some of these younger guys, you know, they have a match and it's like, oh, okay, cool. We'll work on this, this, and this. We're not going to do it again tomorrow night. Whereas, if they had more house shows and they were like working with top guys every single night, you can like I was lucky. that kink, yeah. Like I had lots of experience before I came to WWE. Realized I didn't know shit about wrestling on TV and all these cameras and that whole game. And it's a whole different thing. But I get to work with all the top guys. I was just very fortunate in my position. Yeah, we work with the top guys every single night. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That'll for, fast track, for yeah. A few years, yeah. You know, like a lot of these young guys don't get that. So we'll be doing more. So one of my ideas, we'll be doing more house shows. We just started. We just, yeah. Let's running. talk
0: about that house show because it was a huge success. You guys drew what, like three thousand people were in Troy, Ohio. And the funny thing for me, I'm like, I wasn't there. I stayed home with the baby. You went out and did your thing, but I was like following everything online and seeing everyone's tweets. Like I feel like everybody that was booked on the show had a fucking awesome time like it seems like it i think it actually kind of shocked people to go oh this was cool
1: yeah it was a big success for the people that were there and the fans and everything you know like yeah i don't think could have gone any better we worked with uh and lee Moriarty, you Mm -hmm. know another two guys with you know immense potential you know and just takes experience and finding those extra little things that make you 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 know Uh, yeah We'll do more of those, you know, and the whole point of that, you know, I think people are probably going to like compare, you know, it's not the same thing as like we're running in a big market with all our stars, like WWE, for instance, right. the whole point of this is to just have a place where guys can get reps. Like the idea that I heard initially was like, it'd be kind of like uh, the FCW NXT. Coconut like Coco-
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like in FCW, we wrestled in Fort Myers and Crystal Creek or, you know all, the, all no these idea. little yeah you know, okay. all these little uh, Florida towns you know like mm-hmm. you know, on the weekends, you know some guys like need that another idea that i have been trying to do is just working with other indie companies and uh sending guys there like to find on their days off, you know defy fire of revolver these places yeah, and uh you yeah, know that's uh, helped a lot too for guys, you know, just to give them more uh you know wrestling on t v is totally different than not being on TV. Sure. That's why I do like I don't do any these because they pay me a bunch of money or anything. I don't because I want that extra practice yeah. to stay sharp, to try things out. There's stuff I do on an indie show that I made up on the spot in an indie show that I did on TV and pay-per-view.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: where I was like, ah, you know, I like being out there. It's kind of like just like a jam session if you're a musician. Right. Just pick up a guitar and start picking, see what happens, you know, uh I need that. So that's been kind of successful. It's something I've been trying to implement, you know, and uh, with the house shows, if we start doing more of those, that'd be a good thing, too.
0: Grand Slams, no hitters and double plays are back and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Renee, sign up, place your first bet and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Renee to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states, first online real money wager only, $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. You mentioned um, Kenny Omega and Vikingo. They obviously had such an insane match um i know you were obviously busy throughout the night did you get have you watched the full match yet oh yeah Yeah. so to see that match and you know i'll be the first to say i, I was not really familiar with what i was going to get from Vikingo, but to watch this match see what these two did and to see the reaction in this like swell of like affection for Vikingo, and obviously we know how great kenny omega is but there was a lot of rumblings, I guess, of people being like, who's this guy? What is this happening? It, I think that's one of the really cool things about AEW, the way that matches like this can be put together. And then you can sort of build a storyline afterwards, should that be the case, that they want to do something. But putting on a match like that and putting on a dream situation like that was really well received.
1: I knew. You knew. As soon as I saw it, I went, oh, he's going to blow people's fucking Oh, dudes. my God. I've <laughs> seen him. So I knew exactly you know what was going to happen. I do attack Kenny afterward, but that's a totally different thing. Nothing to do with. Right. Oh, that's why, I waited till, why we waited until after the match. Respect. You know? Respect. It was a different situation.
0: Right. Right. Let them do their thing and then yeah, get some, back to
1: brass tacks. Some, uh, some uh, gang warfare issues. Fair. Um, Battle lines, territory, and so forth.
0: Because you still work and do so many different indies and you get to work with so many other people, who are some people that you would like to see brought more into the mix with AEW?
1: I don't know how many I'll do this year, you know, uh, because I kind of was like, I don't want to, what I don't like is uh, I have to be really uh, cognizant of not pushing myself too hard right oh my god yeah because that's i'm just a very foot to the gas pedal person and i don't know any different right uh so if i'm feeling like really great i'll be like okay i'll book myself for six saturdays in a row and uh wrestle 20 minutes on dynamite every week and you get halfway through that and you're like oh man i'm (laughs) pretty beat up maybe i should take a week off but then it's too late because if i do an indie show now it's
0: you have to be there now
1: all the tickets are sold and. The whole thing's like built around me and streaming it and everything, and it's like I can't just call off. Yeah, you know, so I have to go, and uh, and, and then you know, and then you know, I have commitments to AEW. Like the thing with OTT the other week, you know, I was right fucking furious about just because totally happy to do a house show. You tell me you're gonna do a show, and I only have to drive 90 miles to Troy, Ohio. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. what what better way to spend a Saturday? Right yeah, you got
0: to bring your dad there,
1: yeah. But I didn't like getting. I was already booked on the day yeah so now i it's just this weight that you know the days i missed like when i was in rehab i missed the defy show and whatever else and a bunch of aw shows and pay-per-view and having that weight on my back of like a date i feel like i gotta make up i feel so bad about it yeah i hate having that weight so now i still have to go to ott
0: when are you going? Can I make a trip out of it? I
1: don't know. I probably shouldn't even <laughs> advertise it because I don't want to jinx it or just no. I'm just going to show up one day. <laughs> but I will make that date up. So, sorry about that unfortunate uh, circumstance, fans in Ireland. But uh, I've been doing a lot with uh, the Wrestling Revolver, mm-hmm. which is uh, my former partner. Well, I still have a team with him this year. Uh, Sammy Callahan. Yeah. This is his promotion. And Sammy is a hell of a little promoter man yeah and always has been he used to run a little company called lucha core back in the day he's a hustler and i mean that in the best sense like he works his ass off on all kinds of you know he's good with like graphics and media and stuff like that he'd make a he'll make a highlight video or a preview package or something a day yeah you know and it looks great
0: yeah Uh, what a skill to have i wish i had that skill
1: so bad we make a good uh partnership for revolver because he loves to do all the stuff that i would never do right i don't want to be a promoter i don't want to look at logistics
0: i couldn't imagine you editing a video i didn't like when you take my picture
1: oh god i don't know how to do anything i can barely work my phone you know so but i I don't want to you know handle money and booking and all this stuff you know I love wrestling and you know, the coaching, you know, being there, you know, to, mm-hmm. do meet and greet, all that kind of stuff, you know, cool. So he handles one part and I handle another part, you know, so that's been a great yeah. partnership. Got some stuff cooking. A lot more cooking for this year. I think they got to do some shows in Iowa with a really great crowd out there. Okay. Like a thousand people out there on the reg. And we just started kind of building the audience here in Dayton at a little building. Dayton, maybe move to a bigger building eventually but we're just building the audience here and get all kinds of i mean
0: you kind of said that as soon as you got into cincinnati that you really want to make cincinnati more of a wrestling oh, city. Definitely. so it, the it wheels was, are in motion it was like a
1: hotbed you know back before you know there might not have been a reputable school on every corner right there wasn't as many places to train and it was still a little bit more of a secretive kind of you know there was a little bit more barrier to entry and or the internet was like it is now, you know, people used to come here to Cincinnati from all over the country yeah, and all over yeah. the world. For instance, Nigel McGinnis traveled all the way here from England to Cincinnati to train. And this is where the, the original film and memorial shows were. Right, right, right. You know, there's a lot of history here with like NWA and stuff, so you can find a lot of old cool posters from like Cincinnati Gardens.
0: Oh, them. I want to yeah. find some of those. Well, I got you that one, but it I actually don't like the way that it came. I wish it was like a legit poster. It's like on a board. I wish I got like the like a more of an original version of it. But it's cool.
1: Yeah, but you know, this is the very, uh, you know, I love Cincinnati, man. It's like I can't imagine coming from anywhere else. It feels so good to be home. You know?
0: Isn't it nice? Like it's not my home, but like I I get like sort of like the residual your home that like comfort level but it it feels like home to me because there's something very like Ontario about it. I don't know what that is.
1: Yeah well same deciduous forest. Yes
0: it's the la- yeah the landscape is right. nice.
1: Yeah because it's a big city but it's still a small town. Yeah. You know and you got everything here but you know it's still kind of uh it's a little urban, a little country, you know a little bit uh everything. And I'm just I'm very happy to be back in a city.
0: Oh, my God. Isn't this ci- so nice?
1: I'm a city person. See? Like, Claudio lives out in the wilderness outside of Orlando. Yeah, I'm, taking down
0: wasps' nests and like shit.
1: A compound. I mean, the great thing about it is he built that gym out there. Oh, right. So he's got, like, he's out in the sticks, man.
0: You're building a gym currently.
1: I am. The basement.
0: If it ever gets done, did you go down there today? Is there water down there?
1: There's no water.
0: Oh, good. Sorry, it's Huge. Up. Okay, great.
1: Yeah, I'm building a physical location for the Blackpool Combat Club in my basement. Just how I, I can uh,
0: join. Can I join the Blackpool Combat Club?
1: He's know. ignoring You're me, discussed. everybody. <laughs> yeah, but it's gonna be, you know, basically, you know, kind of like a heart dungeon kind of scenario. Hell
0: yeah. All right. That's well, it's a
1: really old I'll be, very dungeon. It'll be the Helen Heart. So we had to pour a concrete floor and seal all the walls and waterproof it. And it's been a the house is coming together. Mess putting it together, but once it's uh once, once it's, it's done, it's gonna be awesome. Very yeah. simple, mat space, heavy bags, weights. Simple, you know. Yeah. We'll be able to train. We can train wrestlers here. We can train jujitsu here. We can train anything here. You know, you can come down and do your. Fucking Pilates or whatever okay. you can do. Anything.
0: Can I put a Pilates machine down there, a little reformer machine?
1: No, but you can. Okay. you can use it when I'm out there. Just okay, clean up, clean up after yourself.
0: Me clean up after myself? Do you even dare? I can't even imagine yeah. the cesspool that's going to be like there.
1: I'm messy, but if you ever share a hotel room with this woman, I call it the panty bomb. As <laughs> soon as she's in the room. Bras everywhere, makeup everywhere, all all kinds of lotions and scrubs
0: all over the place. Dude, his bedside. So I feel like our bed is so clearly divided in half that your side of the bed. First of all, your pillowcases and your bedding is all covered in fucking droplets of blood because your face is always bleeding. It's the
1: price of glory. (laughs) And then there's like
0: ice cream uh, bowls. There's like athletic uh, non-alcoholic like beer cans. There's dip bottles. Your side of the bed gives me anxiety. I can't even, like today I was like, oh, I went to go clean it. And I was like, no, I'm not cleaning this. I'm not doing it. It's a mess.
1: I like to eat ice cream in bed sometimes.
0: I have no problem with that. Just take it down in the morning. You can eat whatever the fuck. I do. John, You're now you're lying. No, I'm not. Okay. Can maybe, we talk? Maybe I, maybe I get ta- to it eventually. Eventually. Uh, well, that's the problem is the eventually because now we have a cat because now there's there's like mice that we get every now and then. And I think the if I see one mouse upstairs, shit's gonna hit the fan.
1: Let's talk about this cat first of all.
0: Oh, where is he up
1: here? I'm not a cat person.
0: Cats so good
1: per se. I, mean, I don't know about cats. They they're shifty. I feel like you can't trust them. They shit in the house. In their litter box, though. Like, just, I don't know. They're not, just not a cat person, you know? So she just buys this cat without asking me. That's not all. true. That is 100% true.
0: I ran it by you.
1: And I said, I don't want a cat. And then you went and bought it.
0: Now he's here. So.
1: And it's a it's a Maine Coon, which is, like, supposed to be one of the best mouser cats. And it has six toes. Yeah. It's a six toed cat. It's
0: called a polydactyl.
1: Big ass paw. Looks like a catcher's mitt. Giant paws. Mickey Mouse hands. <laughs> it's crazy. I and mean, they're going to get, he's going to get huge. They get up to like twenty-five, thirty. 30. Yeah. Pounds.
0: He's already getting, he's like, when he hits the ground, you hear him. He hits with a thud.
1: Yeah. He's like, he's like basically a little feral bobcat that lives in our house. Yeah. But she got this cat uh, because she's afraid of mice because we had, I mean, it's a house. It's an old house. It's
0: an old house. Every we once. back into the woods and we are also like kind of in the city. So we run into a lot of circumstances.
1: Yeah, every once in a while you get a mouse. Nobody do. So we put like traps out and, you know, had a, you had the exterminator guy. Make sure that, the, you know, there's one or two mice here I and there. No big deal.
0: Mice. Like it's my, and it's I'm unlocking a fear for me. I'm
1: the one who goes and checks all the traps. And I've had to encounter a couple of dead mice and I deal with them and get rid of them. You didn't have to deal with the mice. But now, because she bought this giant six-toed mouse-killing machine that's now your best friend.
0: He is my best friend. I love this cat so much.
1: She's going to kill mice and bring them to you. (laughs) And while you're in bed reading a book right before you go to sleep at night, he's going to come up and drop the dead (laughs) mouse, mouse guts hanging out, Ears all ripped off, tail flapping around. It's going to drop it right on your on your lap. OK, you're going to encounter many more mice. Now, I cannot fucking wait until he brings you a dead mouse. OK, so you, I hope to God that I'm there. for You, oh.
0: <laughs> you bring up a, a strong, valid point. But I feel like you skirted around the part of the story where you were going to put over the cat.
1: I gave him a six month <laughs> probationary period. <laughs> I kind of like him.
0: You like him because you were saying I'm not a cat person. I don't like cats. Yeah, you
1: know, He just
0: kind of hangs out. He's a good guy. I mean, obviously, I got the cat. Yeah, I brought the very, cat into the family. He's very chill. I always loved cats as a kid. I always had them. I've had many cats. But I've not had a cat for a really long time. So I was just kind of like, eh, sure, let's get a cat. It'll kill the mice. I didn't know that he was going to become my best friend the way that he has. Sweet guy. Like he follows me room to room like a dog. He cuddles me in bed like I wear him like as a scarf when I go to sleep. He's a sweet guy. I love him.
1: Yeah, He just he hangs out. He's chill.
0: He's very good. Good guy. Um. OK, Uh. quickly to just wrap this up, just to circle back to another wrestling thing.
1: We wrap it up.
0: I mean, I think we're getting close. We've been talking for a while. You got more shit you want to say?
1: I don't know. I'm just getting warmed up now.
0: Oh, OK. Well, fuck. Keep it spinning. Keep the mic hot, baby um bleeding so much during your matches let's talk about the texas death match with you and uh hangman adam page this was number four for you guys i think the chemistry between the two of you is uh incredible you guys have had some really great matches however the texas death match definitely made me feel a little bit sick to my stomach the fork to the forehead of hangman while you had him in that uh reverse triangle it was upsetting. I didn't like it. It made my stomach turn. No. Talk to me about blood in a match and your affections that for it.
1: Makes me very happy that it was upsetting to you.
0: Yeah, it was.
1: Because, yeah, I loved everything with the hangman stuff, you know. Uh, I like to experiment with things. You know, I'm not. Sexually? That too. <laughs> Like I give zero fucks about convention or the way things are supposed to be done or formulas or whatever. I'm trying to explore new ways of doing things. People have like a certain idea in their head of like what a great match is. It starts out slow and it builds. And then we have a bunch of finish finishes or whatever. Like what, why can't you do a great match in three minutes? What if you could? I don't know. Never been done before. That was the whole idea behind Anarchy in the Arena. They wanted to do a stadium stampede again, and I was like, "I ain't doing that." That's how the conversation started. Anyway, it's like I was like, "I ain't doing that." Whatever. But okay, well, if I was going to do it, I would do it once in one take, live in front of the whole crowd, and that was Anarchy in the Arena. Yeah, you know so. That's how I look at things is to try to go, okay, well, has anybody ever done it like this? And like simple stuff, you know, I'm not Vikingo. I'm not like, has anybody ever done a triple back flip? No, that is
0: like, nuts. He, he literally moves like a person with extra like limbs or something. It's yeah, why wild? does have
1: match have to have the same formula and so forth? Like, uh, for instance, like, uh, I'm matching, uh, LA.
0: We match in LA was right when he, when he came back. Right.
1: Yeah. And I was like, what, you know, instead of like a typical formula that bills was like, kind of blueprint I used in my mind was the uh, first Cody Garbrandt-T.J. Dillshaw fight. And they start out, and it's very, it's very short. It's like a round and a half. They start out, they throwing heat. Cody nails him at the end of the round, rocks him. The clock stopped, and the round kind of seemed like it saved T.J. He kind of wobbled over to his corner. Round starts again. They go back at it. T.J. wallops him with like a head kick. Now he's kind of rocked. And then 30 seconds later, rocks them again and it's over. So it went way hard to the left, way hard to the right. And that was it. There was no like up and down and this and that. Yeah. It was just like put to the gas pedal. Here we go. We're throwing bombs. We're going 100% right from the get go, way hard to the right, steering wheel, way hard to the left. It's over. So that's what I wanted to do. that. I was like, I'm gonna whoop your head, like get on him from the beginning. Would have been major peril. And then when it turns around, it just goes all the way through and boom, buckshot. I'm fucking done. Like, it's just like over, you know, uh, and that's what we did. Yeah. And accomplished. And yeah. I was very uh, pleased with that. And, you know,
0: do just- you draw more inspiration from MMA these days than uh, than you kind of do from pro wrestling in terms of building your matches?
1: What I get from it more so than anything is uh storytelling. Because
0: they do do a really great job.
1: Yeah. And I'm not talking about like, oh, somebody broke into somebody's house and uh, threw their belt in the river or
0: <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: whatever, you know, like storytelling is like striker versus grappler, veteran versus rookie, simple stuff and see how those stories play out. Because like every fight has a story. So and so got to the ground and dominated on the ground or so-and-so was doing really good for four rounds, and then he, Leon Edwards, you know? Yeah. Last minute, Hail Mary head kick, it's over. That was the story. Like, if you ask, like, what happened in that? Well, that's you really the story. He was winning for four rounds, and then right at the last second, head kick. It's not specific to MMA, like, uh, or even just combat sports. Like, every football game Sh- yeah, of course, has a story. Yeah. I'm not football expert or anything, but hey, what happened to the Bengals game last night? Well, they got out to a really big lead, and then the other team chipped away at it, and then they lost in the fourth quarter. That was the story. Yeah. Or it was a defensive struggle, very low-scoring game. Or it was a very high-scoring game. You know, every, every match has a story. The story can be whatever you want it to be. There are no rules. You know, people talk about psychology and storytelling and stuff there. Sometimes they don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, the story can be anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know wrestling can be anything people talk about style right when i'm talking about styles i'm not talking about like moves because in 2023 everybody does modern moves influence from all over the world every single wwe match you know will have like lucha libre moves and stuff you know like head scissors and all this you know everybody does like modern moves you know when I think of style, I think more of like pacing and psychology and timing and so forth, Japanese style or like WWE has a very specific style of match, you know, no matter who, no matter who's in the ring. And, uh, I like to just kind of not really have a big game plan sometimes and just yeah. like see what happens. And I'm like, does yeah, that make they're-.
0: your opponents stressed out.
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot of the time sometimes. <laughs> so, my character kind of and my real personality and the way I like to wrestle and the way I do things and just like me as a person, like I said earlier, very foot to the gas pedal. So, for me, I'm not trying to waste a bunch of time. You know, I'm like, bell rings, let's fucking go. And put to the gas pedal until somebody runs off the road yeah you know i'm not trying to like stretch stuff out really really long Mm -hmm. it's just like it doesn't feel right to me yeah like i've been kind of developing my own new style like i'm not saying i invented a style but i've just kind of been coming up with my proprietary blend
0: okay
1: and uh texas deathmatch is a perfect example we didn't adhere to like a formula in those like last man standing matches typically you can have like big long they can be kind of slow paced because <laughs> they do big stunt bumps and then everybody just lays there for nine seconds like what we have going in AEW with these texas death matches is a really cool thing i think because they're really fast paced from uh it started with me and lance in japan because right before i went out to challenge him was this going to be like a no dq match right and i asked him and gato just because lance is from texas so it's like let's just give it a different name something cool i was like what if i say texas deathmatch gato goes oh i like so I go out <laughs> and i just said texas deathmatch and we didn't even know what the rules were going to be so <laughs> yeah. i was then after that then i went and looked up like the old school texas Deathmatch rules and it's like you get a fall and then the 10 count starts which could be very drawn yeah out. so i mean lance decided I was basically just knockout or submission and standing 10 count, right? So it was kind of like, which was pretty unique for Japan because they don't do those. And the crowd really got with it, like seven, eight, you know? Yeah. Nine. So that was, me and Lance did that in Japan. And then Tony had the idea to have a big night for Lance in Texas. Texas Deathmatch 2 with me and Lance. Another badass match. Same thing. Really, really fast paced. Not like drawn out, big, long, slow 10 counts all the time. And then Cowboy did one with Lance and he did one with Cole. And then me and Hangman did one. Yeah. So I feel like that's an AEW staple match now.
0: Yeah.
1: Pretty cool. And with those matches, like I kind of, I love the feeling of like making people where they genuinely are shocked or don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah. I don't like that. I mean, it, I, I and, get it. It stresses me out though.
1: And, you know, sometimes. People go out there and they have a great match, and the crowd loves it. And they're there with the chants and they're there with the booing and the yaying and the cheering all at the right times. And the fans, they're going along for the ride, but they can almost like anticipate they've rode this roller coaster two or three times. Yeah. You know, and there's a great time, but you know, nothing was truly shocking. Yeah. In the Texas death match with Hangman, nobody had any idea (laughs) what was going to happen at any second. Like, It was more of like this car is completely out of control and off the road and it's just going all over the place. Like, for example, I brought a brick and smashed his hand with it.
0: Yeah, it was disgusting.
1: But I didn't like bring the brick out and then do a bunch of hoopla and this. Like there was no brick in the ring. And just one second, there's no brick in the ring. I just rolled out, grabbed the brick, smashed his hand. Like really quickly and didn't give anybody any time to register. Like, oh, he's got a brick. What's he gonna do? Like, just all right. What's going on next? Is it a brick? Oh my! Like, what the fuck? Like, it, I wanted <laughs> it to happen so fast that their brain couldn't even register it. So they're like, and they what have the to pay hell? attention. It makes
0: people pay attention. What's going on?
1: Yeah. yeah so I, I couldn't That's have been, cool. I couldn't have been any happier with that. And I was thinking, like, uh, the finish. I was like, man, I feel like it's
0: really interesting. I
1: feel like they're gonna go nuts if I tap out so i wanted to make sure that like submissions were legal and fans understood that and Mm -hmm. i was a little scared that they would be waiting on the 10 count and like wouldn't notice that i submitted right but they were pretty clear about the rules so i just had a feeling like i feel like they're gonna go fucking nuts if i tap out Mm -hmm. because that's the last finish they would expect you know yeah that's great yeah so like i couldn't have been any happier with that whole
0: chef's kiss
1: and super easy that's the good thing about like this year is uh, I haven't been like overthinking anything or like, not that I haven't been working hard because when I go out there, I bust my fucking ass, but I just kind of let the match come to me. I don't go out there and try and like plan out, okay, what would make an epic match? I just go out there and
0: <laughs> I don't know if they mic picked up.
1: Is that a dog fart? I so hope that that was on there.
0: You're like, so we're stuck in like the corner of the room with blue farting by us. That bastard. Um, uh, Sorry, keep going. You were saying about how you don't plot out every little thing you're yeah, going to do. I like, you're a, good, kinda like, like, I like a
1: good story skeleton. And and for me, people that have worked with me enough know everything is subject to change. Right. We could plan out 30 spots. But once we get out there, I might go, no, nah, never mind. You know, I do my thinking away from the rain 24-7.
0: I can tell when it switches I that I've lost you. I
1: love coming up with stuff. I love talking about ideas, shooting ideas back and forth with people. I love, you know, like love training, love, you know, I'm 24 seven thinking of shit and visualizing stuff and mm-hmm. kind of putting it in my head to use for later. I do my thinking outside of the ring. And then when I get into the ring, I don't want to think at all. I just want to do. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I kind of pre-prepare my brain and all these things and, and get them in my head before. Yeah. So that when the, I'm in the ring, they just come out naturally
0: be all fluid and loose.
1: I don't want to think at all in the ring.
0: Yeah. I just want to do. Yeah. Let it fly. Yeah. Let yeah. her yeah. fucking rip, bro.
1: Yeah. That's the way I like to do things. It's, it's, it's fun. It's so much fun. You know, wrestling's fun.
0: it's funny because like, I feel like a majority, I mean, I've had you obviously on here a bunch, um, and you don't really do a ton of like long interviews. And I feel like you especially don't do a lot of interviews where you actually dissect your matches and talk about stuff like that. But I think this is probably pretty eye-opening to a lot of people in terms of like how you how your mind works when it comes to wrestling. And obviously your passion for what you do is is pretty unmatched.
1: Yeah, I generally don't like to talk too much about like how the sausage is made. Yeah. Because it's not like protecting secrets so much as it is like once you know the trick's done it's not as fun to watch it it right. kind of feels like i'm kind of ruining the stuff a little bit but also like you know fans love you know appreciating and understanding the art of what we do you know so
0: well, i think it's also just like appreciating the thought that you put into it because it's not something that just happens you really do put so much thought and effort into what you do, and there's intention behind the things that you're doing, and there's stories behind the things that you're doing, and I just I think that's probably pretty cool for people to to just understand the the level of dedication of, that you have to your craft.
1: Yeah, and I definitely. I don't and you're
0: so you know. cute. That's true. Well, I feel like we did it. Is there anything else you want to talk about? We can. We covered a lot of stuff. We've been on here for a while. You want to go watch a show?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably aware of Dynamite every Wednesday,
0: Rampage Fridays.
1: We've been accused of sending the young bucks to the hospital. Mm. Okay, and I can see where you would. Uh, and I could see how you could come to that conclusion. Yeah, but uh, hey, we are innocent until proven guilty. Okay, so don't just jump to conclusions that we attacked the Young Bucks and sent them to the hospital. Okay. The thing about the Young Bucks and the Elite is that, you know, obviously there seems to be a lot of tension between us right now. But uh, I have a lot of respect for the Young Bucks or, you know, the Elite guys. But the Young Bucks, for example, you know, they didn't follow anybody's path. They created, they forged their own path and did things their way and uh you know a lot of people don't like the young bucks for one reason or another and don't like Kenny or whatever and they find all kinds of problems with them and they don't uh because the way they do things isn't the set pattern or whatever that they think it is or whatever there's a bunch bunch of people who just love to hate you know the young bucks because because they hate themselves i guess you know like, let's be very clear. A lot of these old-timers and stuff that like to give the Young Bucks shit and call them spot monkeys and uh, spamming kicks and this and that, whatever. They hate the Young Bucks because, you know, that's their own issue. BCC, we are not that. That is not our problem with the Young Bucks or the Elite. We have a deep respect for what they have done in the ring. And on some level, even a kinship with the elite for the way they have forged their own path and don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. Because believe me, I give absolutely (laughs) zero fucks about anything right now. Just remember that, you know, if any beef, you know, over the coming weeks on Dynamites or Rampages does escalate, Between the BCC and the Young Bucks and Kenny, you know, we're not old guys with a podcast.
0: Um, Okay, listen, John, thank you for joining me. Um, I think you're as handsome as ever, as delicious as ever. Uh, I think that your legs are the unsung heroes of the wrestling world. I think you should come back out in trunks one time, just really rock everyone's world.
1: You know what the problem with that is? Because I wrestled in uh, tights in Japan. Oh, we saw. I started in Japan. But I didn't have boots yet because I used mm-hmm. to always wrestle in trunks and boots. So I just wore my wrestling shoes. I like grappling and training in wrestling shoes, but I don't like running the ropes and stuff. And, you know, especially coming out of the crowd. And I just feel like I'm like,
0: it's a lot of leg I feel out. Very
1: dainty in wrestling shoes in them.
0: They way. are a dainty shoe, especially compared to the boots that you.
1: And I hate wearing wrestling boots. I can't get comfortable in them anymore. I used to be used to it, but. After so many years of just wearing the the combat boots like I do. Yeah. I feel weird in anything but those. I and think it would be like jarring. You darring. can't wear the combat boots that I wear with tights. No. Or it looks weird.
0: Yeah, it doesn't so go.
1: That's the reason I don't wear tights. It's a footwear issue. I feel okay. most comfortable <laughs> wrestling in Under Armour tactical boots.
0: And aloe yoga pants.
1: Yes. I would feel weird wearing tights. My feet would look huge. And I would look yeah. like... I would look like a court jester or something. It'd be weird, It'd be visually unpleasing. It not would be exactly.
0: weird. I'm I'm just saying you've got a great leg. I I think that you I, your whole wrestling gear is is great. I'm not telling you to change it. I'm just putting over your legs because people don't really know. I'm just saying I'm looking at them and they're they're there's a sculpted leg.
1: It was a very sculpted leg as well. I sure I do. Know people know that.
0: Uh, you know what? You're right. Not enough people know of my sculpted. Pull leg. your
1: hamstring out right now. Ready?
0: Let me get my leg up there.
1: it has got these look hockey at hamstrings.
0: Oh, my, I got to stretch. That
1: hurts to do that, kind of. Yeah, when you first came into WWE you talking about, you know, the new girl with hamstrings? Ooh. Ooh,
0: ooh, ooh. Um, okay, well, let's go touch each other's legs and you want to go watch some Poker Face?
1: We're all right, you know.
0: No, you don't want to watch Poker Face. What do you want to watch? I don't know. I appreciate you coming on here. You're a lovely man. Yep. Thank you to my cute, delicious husband, father of my child, Jonathan appreciate him hopping on here with me Um, and breaking down some of those matches and all the things that he loves about professional wrestling. This guy lives and breathes professional wrestling. We know this. We see it. I'm just letting you know, as his wife, that when he's not in the ring and he's not on the road, that uh, it really is his passion. It's the thing that he loves to do. He spends so much time thinking about the kind of matches he wants to have not even just his own matches you know you heard him talking about working with Marina Shafir working with Lee Moriarty working with Big Kaz like messaging Ricky Starks about stuff like whatever it may be I mean he's always kind of just thinking about the business and matches and characters and all that stuff and uh yeah I love that he's able to be there for people that need to pick his brain about stuff anyways I just really love him and I think he's great I think you guys do too Uh, thanks for hanging out, guys. This has been The Sessions.